That's what you get when you loot. Later, the car's owner told us, I'm a taxi driver. The car was my livelihood. All right, we are coming at you from the E-Militia HQ for episode three of the E-Militia podcast. And we are here with a one new face that hasn't been on a podcast before, Handle Rebellious Liberty. I'm going to hand it off to you to introduce yourself and give us a basic rundown of your ideology. Hey, I'm Rebellious Liberty. Um, I'd say I'm mostly anarcho-capitalist. I do believe in a bit of agorism, uh, trying to choke the state. Uh, overall, I'm pretty religious, so I wouldn't say I'm a very, very atheist or anything like that. I do believe in a lot of um, traditional things, but as any libertarian, that it's all completely your choice. All right, that's awesome. And so uh, now we're just going to give a condensed uh, introduction to everybody else that's here, uh, just so you all know and can kind of get an idea for get an idea of voices for uh, faces. So starting with founding fathers. What's up, guys? Uh, this is Founding Fathers. Uh, you can call me FF, whatever, however you want to shorten it. Uh, I am an anarchist. Yeah, and this right, is Anglo-Libertarian. Short, Anglo-short, in case it wasn't obvious I live in the UK, and I'm a minarchist. Bloody revolutions, BR or bloody, I'm an anarchist, and I feel like I'm an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm Guns and Guillotines. I feel like we should probably invent a better system to introduce ourselves <laughs> so it sounds a little less um, AA meeting-ish. But anyway, yeah, I, I agree. I advocate for pure anarchy. Moving on to Hang'em. Um, Hang'em for freedom. I'm an anarchist, and that's about it. All right. Concise. Awesome. This is super AA. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, well, you know what? Honestly, there's probably a couple alcoholics in here, but functioning. So Open couple. Hi, whatever, fun. yeah. Anyway, I see um, five out of six of us are drinking. So after, yeah, sure. I'm a after, drunk. I don't go to meetings. <laughs> <laughs> after a discussion within the the e militia group chats in the e militia HQ, we have decided that episode three is going to be dedicated to foreign policy and libertarian foreign policy and its different avenues um, as best we can. So basically, we, we're going to give a brief rundown of what libertarian policy or libertarian foreign policy is compared to like current foreign policy within the u.s and uh which is basically a, a pretty good indicator of what uh english or, or british foreign policy is and and the differences between them and then discuss the different um fundamentals between like full anarchist libertarian policies and and more minarchist or just uh libertarian light foreign policies and stuff like that so right well um for starters, 
Well, I'd like, as I'm the only one here that's not an anarchist, how would an anarchist yeah, view foreign that. policy? Because I'm the only one who believes in a state defensive military. Yeah, and uh, as and, and I'd like to go ahead and get this mention over with quickly. Um, Bootlickers Beware, who was with us during the last podcast, and I believe the first episode of the podcast too, said that the only argument for a federal government would be for uh, def- defensive purposes, as if like another nation decides to just full on invade your nation. Uh, it's probably a good idea to have some sort of organized force to combat that. You know. Absolutely. So I mean, Absolutely. I guess. Yeah, I guess we can discuss this a little bit, and then I can try to crush it as best I can with anarchist propaganda in a few minutes. All right. Well, Oops. should I go first as the outlier? Yeah, go ahead and yeah, go ahead. give us your rundown. Okay. Right. Well, let's look at... Take your minds back to the first Industrial Revolution and militarization. Yours or ours? European, well, why we'll say. Okay, so, yeah, because so that started before, like... Uh, um, colonization of america well what the thing that led to the colonization of america and really well the age the, the beginning of the age of empire and where you went from so like basically from ancient fe- feudalism Rome. to proto-capitalism essentially the countries that came to dominate europe it was a very fluctuating balance of power it's a balance of power is a word that military historians love to use when talking about europe and it was all established from the countries that had standing armies versus the ones that took on irregular armies. If a standing army knocked on your door and you did not have a standing army to match it, you were gone. You were just absorbed into an empire. And yep. I think that's probably because obviously we live in such a post-industrial age. It is. Com- yeah. I think it's completely. It baffles Different. my mind to say that we shouldn't have at least a defensive military, or else you are literally. A fish in a barrel. Well, you can be we, rolled over we by would anyone. Have, we would have a defensive military. Just not in the traditional sense. At least in some sense. I mean, it's not like it's it's not the first time that any kind of um, world leader, even in modern history, had said that it's probably a bad idea to invade America because there's going to be a rifle behind every blade of, gla- blade of grass. Yamamoto. Which is yeah, exactly. Which is true, because uh, there would be, and also sticking out of every window, and also behind the wheel of every car. And I mean, we, we've just got we've got too much going on here for anybody to think that's that's a good idea. But also, things change, and in like the, in the ancient world, your neighboring country, like, could be taken over by by a bigger empire, and then that would just be that, and you literally wouldn't understand why that's happening. But in the modern age, if, like, fucking China decided to just invade America, invade a stateless America with no with no central government, and take over a bunch of people, it probably wouldn't work out for them the way they wanted it to anyway, but also the world wouldn't react to it as simply as, like, oh, I guess that's China now, like they did in, in the past, hundreds of years ago, thousands of well, years ago. Well, the reaction you know I mean? would be more like a... If someone invaded Switzerland, most of the world would be like, well, what are they doing? Those people are neutral. They don't attack nobody. Why is someone going and invading them? Yeah, even well, if they didn't want to help, even did, if they didn't want to help, that would be the worldwide. Well, America. The conversation that would be happening. Yeah. Well, to, to, I mean, for that to be the case, we'd have to establish that in this kind of society, America would be neutral when it comes to foreign policy, which we aren't now. So like anybody that just heard you say that is 
probably being like, what the fuck is this podcast talking about? That's not the case at all. Which, like, right now it's not. But remember, guys, this is all hypothetical. This is libertarian (laughs) foreign policy, which is not what America has has currently adopted around the world. But but he's right. Uh, If if a country did invade a, a libertarian foreign policy nation, any nation, it doesn't matter what nation it is, the rest of the world would look at it as like probably like a low key war crime, you know, because they're not doing anything. Like, or no- they would look at it like what their government tells them, which is going on yeah. right now. That's what I was going to counter with. If it if it fits the status quo very nicely to have a defiant nation just invaded and absorbed, I don't think people are gonna really get a two up in arms about that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, if if just to say that our other other governments wouldn't take it lightly is to trust other governments, essentially. I mean, some of them would. I mean, not everybody's going to be on the same. Right now, they probably would be. To be honest, well, I don't know that I would say it's trusting other nations. I think it's just a knowledge of, I don't know, human nature. Like some people are obvious. It's. I think the Switzerland analogy was right on. Like once, once this hypothetical and Kapistan was uh, was established, people would recognize that we were neutral, and an invasion on that would, at the very least, it wouldn't be looked well upon by the rest of the world. Yeah. And okay, let's say up. let's say another nation, North Korea, uses it as propaganda and tells their citizens, "Oh, you know, those Americans were bad people." If they they don't plan on invading the United States, do I care what they talk about us? Free speech. You, you say yeah. whatever you want behind my back. I don't give a shit if it ain't infecting me at my house. I don't care. But you can take personal threats seriously. And so if we're talking about... Oh, well, a threat's a threat. Scale, yeah, a threat is a threat. Has, hasn't, yeah, hasn't is... Kim Jong-il already... Or Un, I forget which fucking one they're on now. Hasn't he said, <laughs> like, we'll nuke America or Un, something I to believe. that extent? Yeah, but I'm pretty sure we've said we'd nuke him too. So, like... <laughs> we're, 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 we're the nukers. We, we, we knew. Broad sense. We, we've been flaunting that weapon as long as we can. So Since Japan. anyone want to make a name of themselves... <laughs> Wants it back. Okay, but before we get too far into this rabbit hole, we probably need to describe what uh, libertarian foreign policy is because right now we're just talking about it. And we jump straight into this, haven't we? We, we, yeah, didn't some, yeah. we didn't give much Some intro. of our listeners probably don't know, and they're just like, what kind of fucking world are they talking about right now? Like, is this a, is this a book that they're talking <laughs> about? Right okay, yeah. so basically, I think the general consensus is libertarian foreign policy is non-interventionist. Um, and, and so kind of like Switzerland, I guess, um, like we're not really handing out foreign aid, like current America is to so many countries. And we're also not stationed in so many countries around the world and we're just chilling on our own. And like the foreign policy we have isn't based on military involvement. It's based on trade and, and voluntary trade. You know, like we're not we're not starting trade wars and shit with China. It's just going to be, you know, like we want this country's export of timber and we want this country's export of oil. And so we give them our exports of cars and shit like that. You or know, just cash, cash. Sure. Yeah, just paying for it. 
And it's, it's, it's very important to distinct that from isolationism. A lot of people say that um, before the First World War, America was isolationist. Isolationist, which isn't true at all. Isolationist implies that you have no contact with the outside world, and obviously they were a massive trading nation, so that's not true at all. A non-interventionist means just don't get involved in other people's shit because it always ends out worse for you. And every, don't get, every example... Don't get involved in conflicts. You right. can get involved in trading. Yeah, yeah. And like you were saying, like... Japan was an isolationist. Yes. They didn't want to talk to anybody mm-hmm. until the U.S. showed up with their big guns and said, "You have to talk to us." Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought they, I thought uh, Pearl Harbor happened um, because of like an embargo. It did that America well, sanctioned. Yeah, yeah there, was, there was a lot of context going on before Pearl Harbor. It wasn't yeah. the Japanese just did. So who, who? I mean, who were they trading with that America was like, "Nah, you can't do that anymore." They only traded with the Dutch. Okay. Hmm. So, so we were telling the Dutch to fuck off, basically. We're going to show up with our guns and tell you you have to trade with us. Yeah, so, I mean, really... Well, isn't that what know, happened with feudal Japan? We had it not coming. talking about um, reformed pre-World War II Japan. Wasn't it right that some European nations first showed up with their gunboat diplomacy saying, trade with us or we'll blow you up, and that's what brought them into the modern age? Because it went, A lot when... to do with the subject, other than to, to define... What uh, as Anglo was saying to define, you know, you got Japan who was an isolationist who didn't talk to anybody, and then you got like Sweden who doesn't get involved in conflicts but still wants to be involved in the world trade center gold, money, vehicles, commerce, products like they want all that, they just don't want, hey, dude, you got some beef with someone else that ain't us, yeah. It's not, yeah. It's definitely not non-intervention or uh, isolationist, mm-hmm. which, which I think a lot of people think. Like, look at libertarianism and, and th- automatically associate that with uh, isolationism. Oh, it's not. It's just it's, non-interventionism. It's not it's, it, that, that's not a free market. That's a completely restricted right, market. It's, like, it just it, it, literally it me when people say America was isolationist until they got involved in the First World War. No, this wasn't yeah, true. We weren't no, non-interventionist ever, and should have should have stayed that way forever. Yeah, it should. Uh, actually, every country should adopt that kind of Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Like. It, it's not literally anything could happen if the people want it to happen. That's what non-interventionism is. Like as long as as long as free trade is is okay, then it's going to happen. However, people want it to happen. We're not going to force anything on anybody, which is like 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 the personal libertarian ideal. But you just expand that all the way to the entirety of a nation. Yeah, and it's, it's the same. It's the same concept. Total consistency. And I, I, th- I think the most important factor with all reasoning behind non-interventionism is that it always ends up worse for you because World War One led to World War Two. In the, the Sykes-Picot Agreement in the First World War led to the destabilization of the Middle East, which led to uh, the Iran-Iraq War, which led to the First Gulf War, which led to the Second Gulf War, which led to ISIS, and here we are now. It's yep. all just a chain of constant intervention and meddling in other countries and it just ends up worse for you in the long run in the long run unless you are the fucking weapons manufacturers in case in which case you want that perpetual war to keep happening yeah but shit only gets good for you it doesn't get good for literally anybody else and i mean we could we could probably like between the the several of us here talk for literally hours about the danger of military interventionism like especially just the u.s and and uh britain in the Middle East, and about how that alone 
probably ends up making the world less safe than it does uh, yeah, if we were to just leave shit alone, you know? But like, foreign policy means a lot more than uh, military foreign policy, but it definitely, like, they do coincide, you know? There's two sides of this. It's like, it's a it's trade, and then it's also military involvement, so. And well, I'd like to think that most of us want to think about foreign policy as trade. <laughs> it's a shame that we have to be thinking about it is yeah us taking over <laughs> somebody or yeah. yeah yeah like and you know what we come from some of the bigger nations like if you think is china gonna invade us china doesn't really want to start no shit with a lot of people china's kind of sitting back doing the just defending themselves it's- they don't have a giant standing army and any time in history they recent history you know since world war ii the only time they increased the size of their army was because they thought someone might invade them. Well, there's yeah. the Korean War as well. Well, they do have a big standing army, but they're not really using it for shit. Well, it's and they're basically equipped. They're, they're more about flex. Like, do you know how many aircraft carriers China has? Well, they, just like fucking, they create their own artificial <laughs> islands for them. They, they have one, and it yeah. is a Russian, like, hulking mess that is, like, Kind of a shoddy, shoddily repaired Russian ship, and that yeah. is like the that is their big golden which, fucking which trophy. Well, that's because aircraft aircraft carriers are offensive weapons. You don't need them for defense. You have your land to yeah. launch aircraft off of. You're only using those if you want to go invade, invade someone. True. Yeah, and if you're on the Pacific, they're incredibly useful yep. for invading, as we know. Yes, <laughs> yeah, we've been there for the past seventy years. Yeah, yeah. It's it, so like all of us. Like I've pretty much become conditioned to consider foreign policy just about trade and how nations trade with each other. And as a libertarian, I'm like, well, you leave it up to the individuals to decide what the market needs to provide, and a market will provide, and then the trade will happen for whatever they want, you know. But it's like I don't even really consider it military involvement because I don't think that should happen. But it does happen. So, I mean, we could easily have a conversation about how it does happen and and why it shouldn't. You know, which is well, like yeah. in this podcast, policy too. We should deal more with because people are going to be asking. Well, in an anarch society, how are you going to protect yourself? They know we don't plan on going to attack someone. We should focus more on how we're going to protect ourselves and trade. I would say. Yeah. So this guy, uh, I was having a conversation with him on Instagram and he doesn't want me to mention his username because he thinks the government's already looking at him a little too much. So I'll respect that. So like an anonymous audience member of us, um, he was, he was talking to me about this and he said, so if a nation, if another nation invaded America with the absence of a strong state, with the absence of like a centralized military that could respond immediately, like we have now, how would, the people, because it would be up to the people exclusively, fend that off or keep that from from happening or keep it from happening for too long. And uh, I was like, well, insurgencies are super effective. Like, it's never not they been are, effective. They're a bitch anytime. to handle. <laughs> Clearly yeah. from Vietnam. So that was my original yes. point was that insurgencies work literally every time they've ever been tried. And he said, yeah, they work. But in every time that insurgencies have worked like from Vietnam all the way to um, now, and they worked before that. I mean, like, you know, a large portion of the American revolution was even 
basically insurgencies like guerrilla warfare, just fucking mm-hmm. kid farmer kids like us grabbing muskets and fucking shooting at some red coats every now and then when they show up, you know what I mean? And then running away. But so that that's never not been effective, but I don't, I don't know if an insurgency has ever been combated with total war, like how America was uh, in World War Two, well, where so, we like literally just battles. bombed entire industrial squares, like in towns and in cities and stuff like that. But my my counter to that would be, well, if excuse me, if a nation is invading America, and we are this libertarian state. They're going to be invading America for something. They're going to be invading America for resources or for industry or something like that. Like it's not just going to be some personal vendetta where they just well, want to. It could also just be all Americans. Grab. Yeah, a land grab too. But you're not going to try to destroy everything that America has if you're doing it for the land grab, Absolutely. or if you're doing it for the resources, or if you're doing it for the industrialization aspect of it. You're not going to try to destroy everything. Now, if America attacked them. And they were just like, okay, we're, we're just going to fuck these guys up right now because we want them to stop. Then, yeah, they'd probably do total war and they'd destroy our means to keep that war going on them. The offensive war that we've waged on them, but the defensive war, it, you know, like they're attacking us for a reason and they're not going to destroy shit like that. So I think an insurgency could still be totally effective. I don't think there would be total war against an invading force on a libertarian nation, you know? Well, in a nation, you got to think about our nation right after the Civil War. And I understand, I understand we defeated the greatest nation at the time, and there weren't a lot of people coming up. you got to remember, these people just came off a high of destroying a good nation. And they had the, they thought about, we got to have guns. we got to protect ourselves. And as long as you have a group of people and everyone understands that, and they understand personal freedom, and they understand that you have to protect yourself, then they will be prepared to protect not only themselves, but others. It's a state of mind. And I feel like that state of mind would be really prevalent in this hypothetical libertarian society that we've created. I suppose it would have been necessary. It requires high agency. Yeah, exactly. No cops, no soldiers, just you protecting what you've got, and you've got a lot more than when there was a government taking half of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, like I also want to make it a point that like libertarian foreign policy is not unrealistic because plenty of very successful nations adopt a libertarian foreign policy, even if they're not necessarily libertarian all the way through, like Switzerland. You know, so I want to make it a point that uh, libertarian foreign policy is not unrealistic in any way because I think a lot when they think about libertarianism, foreign policy is like one of the big red flags that they think about and that they're worried about. But you can look at very successful nations like Switzerland, for example, which even though they're not libertarian all the way through their society, they have adopted a libertarian foreign policy and they're doing really, really well with it. So it's not at all like it would be some sort of stretch of the imagination that this thing could work. It's totally successful. And I don't think foreign policy is, is any reason to discount um, libertarianism in general. You know? Well, with that point, I would, have to, I would have to say most countries have that they don't go out attacking other nations. 
And the few that do are just on their borders. They're doing a little land grab. But the majority of the countries out there aren't going 10,000 miles to take over a land that's desolate other than oil or whatever. Yeah, it's just NATO. It's... <laughs> See, it's it's yeah. not necessarily nation uh, nations fighting nations anymore because that's so unpopular to the public. Not. Now it's always fighting ideals, which is much easier to sell to the public. It's, but it's, it's so much harder to fight. Just as easy. It's so much harder to fight. You can't kill an idea. No, it's no, uh, no it's Eurasia or East Asia. Yeah, exactly. But no, no one's proven that more than the Taliban. How many fucking years were we in Afghanistan for? And as soon as we left, the Taliban just went straight back to power. It's not necessarily just the, the Taliban, it's the idea of the Mujahideen, which is like any extremist oh, yeah, faction. Yeah. And then it just gets a rebrand every few years, and it's like, oh, the new group in town. Mm. Yeah, that's right. It's impossible to even fight a really, really shitty idea. So, like, <laughs> yeah. imagine, imagine <laughs> a decent idea. <laughs> Good point. Uh, is this another argument for, um, for the insurgency of American revolutionaries, part two? <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, for you know, like, uh, I think the boogaloo is like civil, you know, but like it would be boogaloo esque if in a stateless society another nation uh, invaded. Because I mean, in that case, it would just be that would be the state. Well, you know I mean, what I mean? Guerrilla warfare it just be, all over again. Yeah, it would be a similar situation. Yeah, exactly. Well, like basically, guys, like. The libertarian ideal, anyway, adopts like the foreign, or, or I'm sorry, the personal responsibility, you know, and like uh, throws yeah. that over everything, every yeah. aspect of society or, or personal life, personal responsibility. You own your own life, you're responsible for it. End of story. So the same thing happens if by chance another nation invades. And I'm, I mean, I, I literally can't think of a scenario where another nation. Be like, okay, we're just going to fucking kill every American we see. Our goal is to kill all the Americans. That's not going to be the case. They're going to invade for a reason. Yeah, they're going to they're going to invade for our industry or resources or land, which I mean is basically equivalent to resources. You know, that's that's what it's going to be. So they're not just going to be fucking destroying everything. They're going to try to keep the shit intact because it's a lot easier to invade a nation, gain control, and then use their resources or industry than it is to fucking destroy everything. And then turn it into a parking lot, and then build a factory in the middle of the parking lot. You might as well just do that in your own nation. You know, like they're not invading us for any other reason than to keep the shit intact and use it for themselves. Which I yeah. think would be it would be pretty fucking easy. It would be easier to to fend off that than it would be to fend off uh, our own state. Yeah, I mean, if I can if I can interrupt, uh, World War Two, Hitler invading France was a good example of this. Um, Hitler wanted to keep all these monuments and factories, oh, yeah. a lot of the art. And Paris had one of the healthiest uh, boogaloo moments, you know? <laughs> yep. They, Made a name about it. They had a great insurgency, and, and they were some of the most helpful people for us to be able to push the, the Nazis back. Yep. I made a meme about it. Go check it out if you're listening to this podcast. Oh, of course you fucking Guns and <laughs> Just uh, a made a meme. Plug right there. A picture. Yeah. Um, <laughs> shouts out to myself. I'll always do it. It'll always count on me. Shout out to myself. Go check out my French insurgency meme. Thank you. All right. To, Giving um, the floor back. 
to dr to draw a parallel then with the idea of not being able to kill an idea, let's say we instilled this idea of individualism, liberty, whether it be in an anarchist society or not. And another point I would bring back to World War Two is the partisan insurgency in Poland was like entirely driven by nationalist in independence which Poland like had for a very brief period of time before Hitler and Stalin saw to it. They'd constantly been oppressed by other nations and that was their residing idea that kept the partisans alive and they put up a ridiculously massive fight against the invading force of both the Germans and the Russians until the Soviet Union really got their claws into them. And so surely couldn't that same thing be applicable, a uniting idea that lights the fire in the people to resist an aggressor i was going to say a foreign aggressor but obviously we can link it back to the boogaloo if it caught yeah. on enough it could easily be the the gel that holds it all together yeah that you I, I think the main thing the main thing people have a problem with when you propose this idea of libertarian or anarchist national defense is oh well are people really going to fight for it it's like it's fight for yeah. 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 like yeah. yeah there is no one else to fight for it is you yeah. and your family yeah. if it's that's your, your choice it's your your stuff you're going to fight for it's yeah. the same mentality as self In the United People States, we have a voluntary we have a voluntary army here in the United States, and they volunteer to go kill people all over the world. Are you telling me you're not going to fight for your own property <laughs> and your own land and your own people? Yeah, we're going to stand up. Oh yeah, I mean, it's easy enough to say I'm fighting for my family when you're three thousand miles from home, like shooting brown kids. But <laughs> but when you're when you're when you're when you're five blocks Jesus, away from where your mom and <laughs> Hey, yeah, yeah. very good point. When you're five yeah. blocks away from where your mum and sister live, you're going to be honestly fucking, yeah, watertight. Well, yeah, and yeah. When ever you, since you know where they're close, and your mother and Dawn, sister are going to be fighting too. Yeah, everybody's going to be fighting. And ever since Red Dawn, like uh, I think, a, like a pretty good portion of America has just been waiting. You know, they're like, yeah, that'd be pretty fucking cool if another country just showed up here. Finally, get to break out that that. 50 caliber that I've been just shooting at the range every now and then and use it against something else. That'd be pretty nice. You know, like, yeah. nope. Like, like literally, I know, especially in the South, literally, yeah. like, all of us are like, yeah, we're ready for that. It's a, yeah. you're a daisy if you do mentality that, like, most of modern America has, thanks to all the propaganda that was yeah. meant to, like, drive them towards the military but now it's just sort of instilled in the general it's not a culture. joke like it's not oh, a meme no. like oh, if you're if you're in another country and you see the memes about like a, a rifle behind every blade of grass it's not a fucking joke it's actually totally very... legit 100 <laughs> percent. love yeah i know what it's one of my favorite standards. things about our country yeah that's what makes me so jealous yeah i mean <laughs> it's fucked like, up as we it. are on other on other fronts that is one that we've got locked down there's if three. People, uh, how many guns are there? How many guns are there in America? Does anybody know that number? How many? Have been it's like half of the world's population of guns. Yeah. I think private, I don't, private I don't guns. Either. Yeah. Okay. Oh my God. What? Jesus Christ. Okay. So in 2018, small arms survey reported that there are over one billion <laughs> small arms distributed globally, cool. of which 857 million. Oh, about yeah. 85% are in the hands of U.S. civilians. So that's that's over, over double what we need for yeah. every single person. Okay, yeah, so there's, there's, only, there's only, like, I think a little bit less than 350 million people yeah. in the U.S. <laughs> so think about this, dude. Everybody's running around akimbo, <laughs> dual-wheeled. <laughs> it, would, it would take a force, it would take a force of 
1.6 billion people to invade for us to have to shoot all of our guns more than one time. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. That's, that's actually But you, you've, also got to, you've also got to keep in mind the right to bear arms is not about rifles. It is about military gear and equipment of any description from oh, aircraft carriers to M1 Abrams, whatever the fuck you want. When there's no government telling you what you can and can't own, we would have anything we needed. Yeah, I, I saw one of my friends the other day on my personal Instagram post a picture of him with a legitimate rock a shooting range. The what? Fucking freedom. A rocket launcher. Oh, nice. Like a heat-seeking rocket launcher. I love it. Yeah, um, so we're good. We're good, dude. Like, come on, <laughs> you know? Yeah, Everyone just pictures, whatever. like, guys out with bolt actions and stuff shooting at, like, F-22s, but nah. <laughs> we ain't about that. Well, I, I have a theory that could make this idea of, like, privately owned artillery seem a bit more palatable to, mo- them, to most people, because you, to say to your normal FUD at the range, I wish I had a fucking 150mm howitzer, they they'd be the what first. What the hell do you need that for? You can't hunt you don't deer have with a howitzer. What are you doing, bro? Huh? So if you don't have a howitzer, what are you doing? You exactly. know how effective that is for deer hunting. <laughs> <laughs> Cooks it straight like, away for you. No, you take a whole herd out one shot. So well, pre-gutted. This is going to set me up for some disagreement because it links entirely into my belief of um, a state military. But how this could right, op- punk. yeah, Jesus. how this could operate to keep the military separate from the militia, and well, that's, I don't think that's quite the word I'd need to use to keep them interlinked in a way that keeps the people above the above the state, even though the state is the governing body of the military. Is a better way to put it instead of a military yeah. monopoly on industry, force, distribution. It could also run profitably. Then the, the the model I have in mind is if you have the top brass chain of command, um, funded by the state, and they have their chain of command running down to I don't know, say even maybe all the way down the officer chain to lieutenant, lieutenant level. Why could the state not then basically hold a program where, say, you and your militia get together, you pool a load of funds together, and the government says, all right, we've got our military guys here. They'll train you in military tactics if you pay us and fund the state. And so you've got a load of militias gathered together with all of their weapons, professional military training, which is what I see as the big, big factor. When I was talking earlier about how a standing army will just roll over a part-time army, you can effectively really have a part-time army that is as capable and equipped as a standing army. It's got all the training, yeah. and it's got a chain of command structure there so that if pitch battles did need to happen, you know exactly how okay, to follow so orders are you and talking tactics and the shit. The chain of command is uh, state sponsored. Yes, uh, the, uh, chain, the chain of command of the the private militias. Essentially, it's you can have the state saying if you and your militia want to be trained in professional military tactics, come along and we'll we'll show you. Okay, the but you're of the nation. but you're not saying like the the colonels of the militias are actually state uh, soldiers. We could be, could not. Because I don't think that's a good idea. I think they should be autonomous in in leadership. But I I do think the training aspect is a pretty good idea. Although I think eventually it would be irrelevant because I think like after that happened a couple times, like 
private industries would be like, okay, this is what the training is, and we'll offer it to you for this price. They the market will take over. Yeah, and what he's saying is that's what he's saying is basically he wants a state where you're forced to pay taxes to run a small military to train the militias. Not for when yes. the militia when the militias could just pay someone to train them anyways. Look at gun policy. Look at uh, Gun Owners of America. Look at the NRA. Look how much money they bring in. They're, they're doing that to fight for our rights. Imagine if these militias thought they were getting trained and were trying to buy M1A1s. You, you think money wouldn't be pouring out of people's pockets? You don't think there'd be enough money for that? I'd donate for my local neighborhood Abrams. First of all, it, I, I don't believe in forced taxation. Yeah. That's okay. And well, the, then, my, if my it's not forced, then it's all voluntary. Then it's yeah. not really. Yeah, you're basically an anarchist. Then, good job. Pretty much, but we converted him. People, you came around. Congrats, Angler. Welcome so the, to the, the way club. I see it, there needs to be centralization of both justice and a military governing body. And we're talking Boo, about military governing. Hey, hey, we're talking <laughs> about military governing body here. I believe it is totally beneficial, and and the vast majority of people, I think, would agree with me and history I, i'm going on a historical basis here that a standing army is just so much better at so, defending your ground well um, you'd have so, that standing army with the militias because the no, militias no, no. want m1 do, a, a1 tanks I'm, I'm i want one you would need a centralized yeah. command structure to keep it all, all right. organized together I, well, I, 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 I don't agree with that and i'll tell you why because okay in a peace state the militias don't have to agree with each other they can do their own thing, and even if we got to go out of country to hire people to train us, people that are actually fighting wars, we can do that because we're capitalists. We'll get the training we want with the money we have, and we don't have to agree with each other. But you better believe if a foreign nation tries to invade us, we're probably going to agree with each other to fight off that foreign nation, and yeah. then we can go back to fight like not agreeing with each other later. And uh, yeah, enough. And uh, we're going to agree with each other enough. Like I was documentary like the uh ukrainian militias fighting against russia or something like i I didn't read enough into it i was just watching the documentary like they were talking about how the different militias like one of them was like literally like neo-nazi and others weren't you know and they disagreed fundamentally on that like they were like yeah we're not nazis at all but we all have the neo-nazi one cia funded i don't know what cia is Central Intelligence Agency? You don't know... How oh. drunk are you, Gun? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, did, I just didn't think that... I didn't connect the two because I didn't think that some small militia in Ukraine would be CIA oh, funded. We got it, is, it is. It is. It, it has nothing to do with the topic. I thought you'd just keep moving on with it. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, you, just, you, threw, anyway, you threw a wrench into my back shit there. Yeah. Back so, like... But basically, like, just to reinforce what you're saying is like the, the militias don't agree with each other in in like <clears throat> beliefs, but they are all fighting for the same thing because it's all a common goal, you know. So it wouldn't matter if if but one. They are also not doing a good job of it. So uh, I've yeah. got I've got a solution that bridges the two. So an ANCAP solution. So. In Anglo's version, we have a centralized state providing the official, you know, stamp-approved military. But we have people like Blackwater these days, private companies and stuff. They could be funded much like um, firefighters or, you know, 
uh, local po private police would be. It would be just insurance, basically. You have professional soldiers who communities, you know, they pay to be full-time trained, know what the fuck they're doing, just in case there is ever an invasion or any sort of, you know, internal conflict. And so they would have the training, they would have the structure, and they would be full-time, not voluntary. And so if there ever is a situation, they're also in charge of making sure militias are, you know, up to standards. Effectively a privatized version of what um, the Revolutionary War had, where you had regulars and then the militia. But they would be funded by the people, completely private, no state at all. Well, I think that Anglos, uh, and this is just my understanding, I could be totally wrong, I think that Anglo's scenario that he laid forth could coincide with that. Like what he was talking about or the way that I understood it was basically just like a free market where the quote unquote state is providing the service of training. But I think that that would have, I think that would eventually get knocked out by these private yeah. corporations. They would step up and they would see the, the opportunity for profit. And so eventually this could get rubbed out in that way. I'm, I'm, well, I'm well, be, be careful what you say about that, because every time you start a state, they, they figure out ways to make sure they don't get rubbed out. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not advocating for the state. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm just I, saying I, that these two. No, just go ahead and rub I, one I understand, but that's just a slippery <laughs> slope going down saying we'll start a state and then yeah, we'll yeah, get yeah. rid of a I'm, state. I'm Capitalism will take care of it. All. So yeah, no, I, I know you're not. I know you're not. I'm wondering as long as it's completely voluntary and like voluntarily funded, then eventually. It's not even just a state anymore. They're just vying for control of a market. Yeah, right, which is why Anglo is basically an anarchist. He's just acting yeah, like a Above all, I believe I'm a voluntarist, and I, I truly believe it would... Not, personally, I believe it would be beneficial, but I think pragmatically it would be in demand for there to be a state-centralized monopoly... Well, monopoly on justice... And centralization Ooh. of defense. Whack. I think well, if there was a demand, I'm, if there was a demand for a demand, that's why I say I'm if there was a demand, demand you wouldn't for a need monopoly a state. on anything. You're gonna say that is a, a demand for like a state being able to say that, like, oh, you're guilty. We're gonna throw you in jail for the rest of your life. Ha oh, ha! Well, jokes well, on you. A, bound a monopoly on justice bound by the NAP is why I believe. Can't yeah. disagree. Yeah. Doesn't matter. You already gave over control of this. What do you mean? Like, what are you going to do if, if the state's all of a sudden like, yeah, we're not really going to honor the NAP anymore? If you don't want the state so, to exist, don't pay for it. But I think vast Anglo, can I, would. Can I, so you're uh, an anarchist. Can I clarify a little bit, Anglo? Go on. So in your situation, it is all 100% voluntary, right? Like, mm -hmm. no, no forced taxes, nothing like that. As far yeah, if that's the conclusion I've reached so far, I had nothing to change it yet, but I would be open. Okay. Well, so then so we're arguing what, semantics on what you think a state is and what we think a state is. That's what I'm saying. What separates that state that's <laughs> funded completely voluntarily from a corporation that's providing a service for money? Like, what's the distinction? The demand for a cohesive centralization of those two factors. And if there is no demand and I'm completely wrong, then let's go anarchy. But I believe that is the more pragmatic situation that people would want. So close. Thing. Okay, I think I see what you're saying. This is why Anglo like turns up as a ANCAP whenever he does the compass, but he's like, <laughs> he's, like he's, the test and he's an ANCAP. I'm struggling. Like this state enforced uh, indoctrination is just so effective in England. But like, even though he's like literally saying, "Yeah, I don't think there should be any forced 
any forced taxation. I think there should be no force in society whatsoever. He's literally <laughs> incapable of saying he thinks that there should be a stateless and stateless society. Well, he can't afford the anarchy permit yet. I agree with Angler. If, if people wanted there to be anarchy, there could be anarchy. I don't think that is realistically what would happen. That's all. I think That's people want it. They're just scared. People are just think, scared. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with Anglo in the sense that there could be voluntary governments. Um, oh yeah, that, that, that's my whole thing. Voluntary communities, like yeah, I mean, people want a local state. Go for it. I agree. That's that's why I was saying that there's a hard. It's a hard distinction to make there because yeah. as long as it's voluntary, how is, I don't how see is it that as anarchy a state. to say if people if, well, if there's going to be a state, whatever. So because it's voluntary. It, here's how I explained it to someone who was mes- messaging me last night when I made that meme when Angular was asleep attacking him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so effectively, effectively, think of the old West before the federal government got out there. You had local towns who had their own laws, but then you walk outside its borders. It's you know it's free game. There's no, it's just waste. Each other Basically, yeah. yeah. But you know people don't really do that because legal duels. It'll all be private yeah. property in this day and age. So you have to abide by the property owner's rules. I still think we should be able to do trial by combats. If everyone agrees. As long as it's voluntary. Yeah. Like for anything. Like traffic ticket? I don't want to pay that. (laughs) Send your best duelist. We'll see about that fine, sir. And I definitely think duels should be allowed. Oh, yeah. Like if there's just, like if you just document it somehow, like, yeah, I'm about to try to shoot this motherfucker. Everyone's got a phone. I say go for it. Yeah. Anyway, that's like that's domestic policy. So. <laughs> yeah. So, are we still on track, or are we all like? Uh, we, I mean, this this evolved. You know, I think it's okay. It's an okay evolution, but you know, let's uh, scale it back. And is Graham's gonna like? Is Graham's gonna listen to this and be us because we've gone probably. Track. Probably, he's gonna be like <laughs> fucking idiots. <laughs> Can't believe. It. I can't believe I there listened was- to this shit. I could have been reading my kids' <laughs> stories right now. <laughs> Wasted a whole hour <laughs> watching this dumb shit. And they made no conclusion. They just fucking. Yeah. So, I mean, but, okay, so we talked about military aspect of foreign policy. But and now. A little bit of economics. True. Mm-hmm. So now, let's try to tackle as a group. Let's try to, let's try to gangbang trade <laughs> policy. In a libertarian society, which is much easier to do, I think. But I mean, all right. So, anarchist or libertarian trade policy would be: I have made AKs. I want to sell them to North Korea. That is my right. <laughs> yep. Effectively, yeah. I mean, yeah, completely. I mean, honestly, with trade policy, there really is no policy. It's yep. you're allowed to do what you want. Oh yeah, it's free trade, or it's not. As long as you're not interfering with other people's natural rights, do mm-hmm. whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, no policy. I agree. So this is where bootlickers beware, a.k.a. Gramps, in case you hear us uh, refer to him shorthand, Gramps. Um, because he's the ripe old age of like 30-something. Anyway. <laughs> As opposed to Hangout. Yeah. Uh, he said that his, his analogy for foreign policy in general is just an ostrich with its head in the sand. Don't which care is what interesting. the fuck is going on. Because- an ostrich analogy. Yeah. Oh, yes, that's right. Do you not... Do you not know what an ostrich is, Angela? No, no. What, yeah, what, what, what do you think? I'm confused. <laughs> Guns, I haven't Guns, seen Guns, what are you fucking drinking? <laughs> <laughs> he wait, just, wait. He, said he didn't understand, so I mean, do you not understand what an ostrich is? It's basically like a dinosaur that didn't die. 
Oh my god. I'm well aware what the what fucking the ostrich is thinking. It's a bird. <laughs> the queen of dinosaurs every year. We know what they are. Yeah. Wait, what? No, I'm fucking Why are we talking about what an ostrich is? Explain I, your analogy. No. What the fuck? Foreign policy. <laughs> foreign policy is basically just a segue to talking about the anatomy of ostriches. Yeah. <laughs> Please start the rear. Okay. Anyway, I don't Jesus know. Christ. I, I kind of wish. I kind of wish Gramps was here right now because he'd be able to like the way he talks about it. It says that he. It kind of makes it seem like he is an isolationist, you know? That is like, the word he's used on occasion. It's why I brought up the difference yeah, yeah. between isolationist and non-interventionist. If he is actually an isolationist, yeah, I would be keen to hear that. Cause, um, an ostrich with your with your head in the sand. Like, the ostrich could really want brand new AKs, <laughs> but somebody comes up with a crate full of brand new AKs, and they're like, hey, ostrich, you want these AKs? And he's just, like, got his head in the sand, you know? So he's not going to... By him anyway, and he just tries to make his own way. So, like, interesting. I'm gonna have to talk to him about that. But um, I think generally we're not isolationists at all. We're just non-military interventionists. Absolutely. And, yeah, and we're not open, open trade, like totally open trade. You know, and that's absolutely us all all the way along the libertarian scale. Whether you're anarchist or so, classical liberal, just don't fucking no aggression. It's not needed. It's not necessary. It's not helpful. It's tyranny. To play devil's advocate, what about another country like, say, I make ostrich figurines, and there's a big <laughs> market for ostrich figurines in Turkey. So, like, I'm trying to ship all my ostrich figurines over to Turkey, and then China, like, steps in the way and is like, hey, you and your fucking ostriches are going to have to pay me a tariff to get past me to sell your ostrich figurines. Uh, that's a very good point. What would we Tar- do about our trade are... being blocked? Nuke. <laughs> Tariffs of theft. Somebody would use their recreational McNuke and end that problem. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I think, I think, uh, you know, I could form networks with other companies that trade with China um, together. You know, like China ships things through them and, and they ship things through China. And if I had that kind of network it would defend me from that. And China wouldn't be like, Hey, we're going to, you know, like so, you have to pay these tariffs. So we, and then I'd be like, no, 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 no. I don't have to pay these tariffs because, okay. So if I formed a trade network with my ostrich figurines, I could say, no, China, I'm not going to pay these tariffs because if you make me pay these tariffs, I'm networked with bloody revolutions, North Korean ARs or AKs. And if you try to fuck me up, he's probably going to fuck you up because we're networked together, you know? So like, so I think this would end pretty China quickly. No, and why, why wouldn't the Turkish just say what the fuck is China doing, putting its nose in you? You have no right to enforce a tariff on products that we want to buy because tariffs are close to theft in the same way taxation is. Yeah, I mean, it would have to be, they'd have to be pretty bold. Any state would have to be pretty bold to just like step in and say, oh yeah, I'm getting involved here. Well, you got to think that Turkey would step in for their own benefit, though, because a tariff would drive the price up. Yeah, because if they you really, pay the really tariff like, to get the ostrich figurines there, they really your like price goes up. Figurines. The Turkish people have to pay more. You know, you so gotta, they would be on think. your side. Then we're at the mercy of other states deciding how we trade. Like this is all, you know. I mean, to be, in the, the same way that a restaurant is at the mercy of other people for customers. But like, if it doesn't work out, take your business elsewhere. It, yeah, it raises it, a good it's, point. It's like, is this some? Everyone benefits. And if if someone doesn't want to mutually benefit from your trade, just say, all right, well, you're a fucking idiot anyway. It's, it's your yeah. loss. Yeah, because if you can make ostrich 
figurines. You know, Canada might want mole figurines. And next thing you know, you're switching up production mm. and you just found a it's less shipping for you. You're making more exactly. profit it's off making the them. Market. I mean, every, everything so evolves. Much. Yeah, I'm just talking about like complications that could arise. Yeah. The, yeah. But the, the, the really, it, it does raise a good point. Yeah, it does. It, and it does raise a good point. Like, if the whole world was stateless, not like n nothing would happen. Yeah. Everything would be good. Like nobody would interfere and be like, "Hey, you have to pay me. You have to give me ten percent of your ostrich figurines to sell these ostrich figurines to Turkey." You know, nobody would do that. Example. It's only going to be states that try to get involved with that shit. But like, I mean, how are you going to convince the whole world to be like, "Hey, man, you don't need any ostrich. Like, just do you your never own shit." Will. So yeah, it's, it's, well, it's just how I mean, does, states or individual citizens like they could also interfere. Like any individual corporation could get in the way and be like, "Hey, you gotta pay a, you know, a tariff or a bribe or whatever to get past me to go trade with Turkey." That would be like piracy, and exactly. then that comes into us being able to own military arms, and you could rent a gunship or That's rent true. a Blackwater to come escort you. Or you, you could start your own little mini war if that's what you yeah. wanted and Never you thought, thought you that. had the money to do that. But war is expensive. You I don't want that. Trade. Technically, if China, if China so. tried to take 10% of my ostrich figurines and I said, okay, well, if you take 10% of my ostrich figurines, I'm going to have to sink your ship. <laughs> they, you know, they, they probably wouldn't do it. But yeah, I mean, even before that, it's bad business in general. Because if they're screwing you over... And you're not going to do business with them. Your customers, whether you're a corporation or whether you're a country, your people are going to be pissed that all of a sudden they can't get whatever they want. And yeah. so eventually they're going to have to bend over anyways. And I'm sure some absolute statist is going to like leave a comment on the YouTube video of this and be like, well, that's not really how tariffs work. You know, it's a lot more complicated than that. And blah, blah, blah. Like, hey, man, just fuck off. On you. I don't read the comments anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 this is essentially what it is, man. Like they're, and, they're demanding ten percent of your ostrich figurines. That's basically what you can keep saying. That's not how tariffs work. Every time you say that's not how tariffs work, you just prove that you don't know how tariffs work. <laughs> tariffs are a tax on the people. It's nothing else. I don't care what you were taught in school, what your high expensive education told you, and all your status teachers told you. That's not how tariffs work. Tariffs are a tax on the people. It's not helping anyone out. It's just yeah. proving political points that, for the most part, the people don't want. The people it's... want cheap product. They want a quality product at the lowest price they can get. And they will. we've proven that here in the United States. Look at Harbor Freight Tools. Oh, hell yeah. Harbor Freight. Not about them. Well, they're trash. <laughs> Yeah, they're exactly. trash, but you know what? Sometimes you need a trash tool that you can just beat up and throw away, and yeah. you don't want to spend a hundred bucks for it. You want to spend twenty bucks. Yeah, when right. I need a good tool, I look for a grinder. Yeah, I got a I got a Harbor Freight grinder that's three years old, four years old, and has been beat up, and it still keeps go going. But I bought it knowing it was a cheap piece of shit. When I buy a good tool, <laughs> I go for American it. made. And I look for the highest quality thing I can get. If I know I'm going to beat it up and only use it twice, I buy the cheap Harbor Freight one. And that's yeah, that's what I did when I wanted to cut holes in my Jeep. As everyone does. For no what, reason. Uh, and what point are we making here? How do you <laughs> know? I, I kind of lost it. Well, we're looking for Tariffs, trade. Trade, trade. We're looking for trade, and everybody wants... 
the best product they can get for the cheapest. In an anarchy society, that would be, you know, free trade, whatever. We're talking about trade with other nations. Other nations want to trade with us. We start a lot of these tariffs here in the United States over political issues. We'd cut half of those out. And then, being a, if we become a powerhouse of selling, trading, that in itself is going to stop China from bringing their ship to you. <laughs> Because, all right, you're selling your ostriches. Okay, that's fine. Like, they want to stop you from selling the ostriches because they really, they're, they're mass producing them. They want to make a couple bucks. But all your buddies here in the U.S. will be like, dude, he's tr just trying to sell ostriches. We ain't selling you nothing anymore. And now that could shut their government down or shut their production down. And it makes so they're not going to want to step in on that. makes everything more, like, feasible and... and and easy that the whole world's connected. So like if I all of a sudden, like it became not worth it to me and I was like, I can't give you 10% of my ostrich figurines trying to like turkeys, Turkey wants those, you know, Turkey would hear that I guns and guillotines incorporated can't give them the ostrich figurines that they want. So then they would go to somebody else. Yeah. I mean, look like the market will provide. So then all of a sudden France that doesn't have to fucking ship anything from an ocean and China can't get involved would just be like, okay, well, fuck it. I'm just going to cut out the middleman and I'm going to ship these over on a truck. Here's yeah. your ostrich figurines. And, and you know what? You're, you're losing out on your ostriches, but that's the free market. Yeah. And yep. it, it sucks that a government had to intervene, but at some point you got to say, there's nothing I can do about that. He's not. Yeah. He's stopping you from producing your money, but the, unless you want to go to war with a full size government, that ain't going to happen, so you'll figure out another way to make money. But I don't really think that into play that often. So, have we just argued against anarchy? No. No, I hope not. <laughs> it's it's deploying the free market <laughs> on a global scale, and that's what internationalism is. Because I used to have um, internationalism as a pro in my Instagram bio, and people messing me like, well, what, what are you talking about? Are you a fucking globalist? That's so entirely different. Internationalism is essen it's essentially free trade across all the... A comparative advantage, to use the economic term. Everyone has something that they want to trade for something else. It's mutually beneficial. That's internationalist. You don't need these fucking tariffs in the way and people disputing over prices and saying that fucking wages are theft. Everyone just volunteer, do shit, get along. Whereas globalism is trying to make the world one state. And it's, it's entirely the point the free market will always provide. We live in a post-industrial world where markets, I won't call them free markets, run free. And they could easily overcome all the fucking problems we have in the world right now, but everyone needs to swing their dicks around with who has got the most aircraft carriers and try and fucking invade shit. And there we are, back to the military pro uh, foreign policy, because they are very, very linked, trade and military, when in regards to foreign policy. Well, here in America, our military fights for corporate interests. A yeah. lot of times, our foreign policy is based on corporate interests. The corporations put money in the government. Government goes and fights wars for them. Yeah. So you get rid of the government, and you get all of a sudden free trade, and everyone's happy. Absolutely, and it's it, it's what socialists are so scared of is the the capitalists controlling the this massive military that a capitalist country requires. It doesn't require it whatsoever. It's harmful to a capitalist nation to have such an interventionist military, and. 
you don't need po people think that for capitalism to survive you need you need poor people to exploit that's absolutely not true you need as many rich people as you can so you can keep taking their money you only create the poor people through this interventionism which destroys homes and nations yeah, a lack so, of industry and it, it's for immediate corporate gain for the, the the big banks that control the fed who obviously then can have a fucking stranglehold on the government who has a control over the military. It's a big chain from the top down of who will benefit in the short term instead of the entire world benefiting in the long term and the capitalist free market system benefiting. Yeah, I mean, to simplify everything, libertarian foreign policy is basically just domestic or individual policy expanded. Yeah, it's just the same shit. It's just the same shit on a bigger scale. Yeah, it's the, the same zero idea, logical fallacies. Yeah. Like you can't say anything about how libertarianism is riddled with logical fallacy because it's not. Like it's literally airtight, same logic all the way across the board. Yeah, from the individual to straight up nations of 350 million people. It's the same shit. And well, obviously, well, the point I just made is what socialists will point to. They say, oh, well, the capitalists will just control you. They can't. The method of control is a monopoly of force, which is this, which is a overreaching state. If you take that away, no one can control you. Just do what you want. Yeah. Vote no, with no, your the wallet. people definitely 100% control corporations. Like, if you start doing something that they don't like, they're going to stop mm -hmm. buying your shit. Like, don't Especially tell me that big companies, they get too big to fail because, like, huge companies like like GM have gone bankrupt. And they guess just, what bailed them out? The government. Exactly. It wasn't the fucking people. I was going to say, the 2008 financial yeah. crisis became a crisis when these, quote-unquote, too big to fail banks were bailed out with our tax money. If they weren't bailed out, the financial industry would have crumbled, but it wouldn't have been the financial crisis that we have. Well, that we had, sorry. It wouldn't have been yeah, a financial it crisis. Been... It would have been, it would have been a financial industry temporary collapse while they learned from their mistakes, but they didn't. They got to walk away. Thanks yeah, to the, it, it wouldn't have hurt the people nearly as much. Absolutely, not. like it would have been. It would have been the corporations that hurt, and yeah. the corporations would have had to fucking learn how to not do that dumb shit again. Of course, no. The that. banks capitalized on it because they got bailed out. And right. then as yeah. all the people were losing their homes, the banks just bought them out and now rent's going through the roof. And what's ridiculous is that like socialists or collectivists will, will look at that and be like, they did all this and look, they're still doing it even after the crisis, blah, blah, blah. Like, well, that yeah, that's not like that's not the fault of a lack of government. That's because the government it's let too them. Much of it. It's because the government didn't only let them, but literally like gave them the opportunity with our money. Because they mutually you know? benefit off the things that we that are detriment to us. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, Jesus Christ, guys! Like, how are y'all missing this? I don't understand how you're gonna look at a problem and look at look at what caused the problem. Yeah, how, and like, then be like, yeah, we probably we probably need more of that. Honestly, how, like, how, See, can, how the can you blame real? the free market, um, the 2008 financial crisis, and especially the Great Depression on free market capitalism when it's fucking not? It's corporatism through and through. And we're just as much against that as we are any sort of planned economy as well. Yeah. It's bullshit. It takes away the rights of the individual. So there we are. I think we can start wrapping this <laughs> up. We've got about an hour's footage now. Uh, maybe a bit more. That's yeah, a, we're a little yeah, bit over. 
That's good. My PC just told me that like it's going to update in a matter of minutes, and it's not giving me an option to say no, don't do that. So <laughs> it's consensual. Microsoft is literally fucking tyranny. If we went on to yeah, I feel like, like your PC is raping you right now. It is, dude. Like, can you imagine if this happened like at the beginning of the podcast? I would have just gone silent. Y'all would never know why. The CIA got to. Oh, he doesn't, we're, we're he doesn't even know what CIA is. Got thrown in the gulag. Yeah. yeah, how much? Uh, how much? How much do we have right now? We'll have What's over time right. I got had about. Um, yeah, I had over twenty. Well, minutes I get an hour crash and five minutes or so. I've got forty. Oh, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, I mean, to simplify things, what libertarian foreign policy is is just libertarianism, wide scale. It's really easy to understand. Like, you don't need any kind of classes or books to read up on this shit. It's the exact same thing. Same shit, big scale. Yeah, so, I mean, basically libertarianism as a whole just takes the successful aspects of any nation and combines all of them into one nation. You know? Like you have super free markets in one nation, but you also have extremely high tax rates, which sucks. So we take the free market aspect, which is successful, and then we take the low taxation aspect of another successful nation, which is successful, and then the non-interventionist aspect of another nation which is successful and all these different successful aspects and combine them into this kind of and utopian state where nobody is forced to do anything they don't want to do and everything is literally sunshiny all the time by the way you, sh- you shouldn't use the word utopian because that's actually a negative connotation it is a negative connotation plus it's but- false it, like there's always going to be problems yeah, people always. have to understand sure. that like, there's no government that's gonna take every problem away. Like, libertarianism actually decreases it over the whole. If you look at the whole, you're gonna have less problems over the long time. Everyone wants the short term solution. Well, you know, government says they're gonna do this or they're gonna fix this every four years. Someone's gonna fix something. No, nothing ever gets fixed. <laughs> like you said, take we'll take the, all the good aspects, put them together. Hey, you know what? People are gonna have hard times. We'll still have financial problems and stuff like that, but and that's you gotta where move on. responsibility comes in. Like you exactly. own your own shit, dude. Like if if you hit hard times, I'm sorry, that sucks. But it's not anybody else's responsibility to get you out of that hard time at their detriment. I mean, that's that doesn't make any sense. There's nothing moral about forcing somebody else to to take care of you. And, and then course, that's it's, basically it's moral to help someone, but it's no no, yeah. no means moral at all to take Voluntary. away someone else's rights yeah, for your benefit. Like, yeah, and that's that's. I mean, libertarianism is the same all the way through, from from the individual to foreign policy. It's, it's I mean, that's all it is. It's really simple, guys. The AP really is what it all comes down to. We appreciate y'all exactly. listening to us. If you made it all the way through this podcast, hmm. and <laughs> tune in in an undisclosed amount of days slash weeks to <laughs> yeah. listen to episode four when we are talking about a classified subject that we will release later. I was so afraid you were going to like decide what it was before. Yeah, you could have taken I could have done it. Yeah, I could have done it, guys. We're going to talk about ostrich figurines. Yeah, great. And that's, that. that's the name of the episode. Name different of the episode. possible materials, porcelain versus standard clay. Oh wow! Would you invest? I would invest ten dollars. <laughs> oh, I was talking to the viewers. We're going to crowdfund this shit. Yeah. Oh well, in that case, I would invest a hundred thousand dollars. There you go. <laughs> Jump in now. <laughs> We're going to be which. trading with Turkey. 
Speaking of which, I, w- so, I want to give a nice big shout out to the viewers before we do finish this because I've been. A- has anyone else been absolutely fucking blown away with how this podcast has been taken? Oh, geez. I have. I yeah, I can believe it. It's people, been fantastic. Excited. Just I, I posted. One, uh, I looked at the the comment section for episode two, and there were. I, I th- there was just so many comments. I, I just talking about. There was ten there was comments. So... It was nuts. There were more than that. I'm sure there was more than that. Yeah. Too. No, there was there was ten comments within like the first hour, which was that, pretty yeah. cool. But I posted uh, on my Instagram story. I said we're recording episode three right now, and and somebody already swiped up on it and and uh, sent me some expletives in a happy manner. So I mean, people people <laughs> are excited. You know, I hope. I hope people keep getting excited. But remember, guys, uh, thank you for liking, commenting, and subscribing. It helps more than you know. And tune in next time because we'll talk at you again for another hour. Yep. Fuck yeah. All right. Thanks. Peace out. Bye, guys. Much love. Bye.